0: This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July Fourteenth, Twenty 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio.
1: It's Shelly foyer Domash, and the year I was about 1967 or 1968, early 68.
0: Okay, that's when you started at the station. Uh, how long it's, were you there?
1: I, I never left. I I really feel like my time there has been with me all through everything else I accomplished, so I can't tell you when I left, because I never left.
0: Fair enough. Um, What shows or programs did you work on while you were at the station?
1: Oh, goodness. I worked on... The main one I did was Night Song with Rochelle. That was the main one, and I did a couple of stuff here and there and some PR work for the, the station, but my Night Song show was handed down by Gary Armstrong and given to me. So it was almost every night, late at night, that we did the show.
0: Okay. Did you have any titles or positions of management at the station?
1: Yeah, there was something, but I honestly don't remember what it is. Um, I, I, something with public relations, but I can't tell you what. Okay.
0: Um, when you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any nicknames or on-air names?
1: Well, when I did Night Song, it was called Night Song with Rochelle, which is my legal name, um, and I did some other programming down there, and whatever came up that nobody else wanted half the time I took, and it, it was uh, a lot of different things. Okay,
0: um, so I'd like to go back to the beginning of your experience at Hofstra Radio, and what was it that first brought you to the radio station?
1: Oh, this is an amazing story. I was living in the dorms at that time, you know, a typical college student with uh, college clothes and ready to conquer the world. And one day, Sue Chernis was her name at the time. Her name is Sue Ronenberger, called me and said, I have to do a, a project for my class, and I have to analyze people's voices. And I said, okay, go for it. So she said, you know, she asked me a couple of questions. And then she said to me, you know, you really have a good voice. Why don't you come down to the station? And that's when I consider my life ending one part and starting anew. The minute I walked down there, I loved it. It was a small little place that you had to walk a full staircase down to get into in the basement. And for some reason, I felt at home the moment I stepped into that place. And all my clothes went into storage, and I had my WVHC T-shirt or sweatshirt, depending upon the weather, and a pair of jeans, and that's what I wore for the rest of the, the time I was there. But it was the beginning of a whole new world, and and I loved every day that I had it.
0: Wow, um, had you any interest at all in radio or performance before
1: this conversation? No, no, I was gonna. I wanted to be a. a Friend of uh, psychological something of a, a, a forensic psychologist. That's the name, and that's what I, all my goals were for was for that that particular job. And when I found out about radio, it just uh, turned into TV for me, and then turned into writing, and I just uh, changed everything at that time. Wow! I knew nothing about radio, nothing about TV. Had no aspirations three to one.
0: So was this your freshman
1: year at Hofstra? Yes, it was. So, so you, Needless to say, my parents are really upset. Today,
0: but I think most parents are upset when their children tell them that they're going into radio. But for some reason, we do it anyway. Um, but you, you exactly. had an a, a academic plan or an idea of, of going into psychology. And then here's this radio station, and it, it upends
1: everything. Absolutely. This little place on the campus made my whole life different.
0: Wow. So you, you mentioned that you went down the staircase and into this little place. For those of us who weren't there underneath the little theater, could you describe it? Could you give us a, a sense of, of what it was like and maybe other people that you met as you got uh, started there?
1: Yeah, it was not like it is today. And, I, and I'm sorry for that, in a sense, that all the students there now will not have what I had. I mean, you walk down and it's like a horror movie, you know, the long concrete staircase brings you into this room that is, the warmth of it, and I don't mean the temperature, takes over. Everybody is so real there. They were opening, they were opening it with their arms for me. It was like, this is where I belong. So you walk in and I don't think anybody could miss the warmth at the time of that place. But not many people were able to see it because it wasn't big enough for just a few people. But uh, I was lucky enough to see it. So it was just contrast of this long concrete staircase that was bringing you into the basement of a building, expected mummies all over and you know skeletons and whatever. And you walk in and there are these smiling faces that are just so real. I mean, they, they, the people there were just totally real. And you could feel that immediately when you go down there.
0: Mm. Who were some of those people? Do you remember any names?
1: Oh, I'm terrible with names. You know, even my kids knew if I don't introduce you, you know, I don't know the person's (laughs) name. Um, Well, there was uh, Teddy and there was Sue, who later got married. There was um, Juan Fricano. There was... Um, oh, how can I forget? Um, uh, oh, oh God, the guy I pushed a piano with. Uh, I can't remember. I don't want to take up time. I can't remember. I, I, if you say them, I'll go. Yeah, I know him, but can't okay. remember names. Well, you
0: mentioned Gary Armstrong a couple of minutes ago. He he must have been a presence, right, someone right. who was around.
1: he will kill me for forgetting him. Okay.
0: Um, did you uh, did you know Sue well before this this phone encounter where she asked you about your voice? Did you have a class together?
1: I, we never even saw each other. We didn't know. I could have passed her, and I'd never know her
0: at that oh, point. Oh, so this conversation was, was somewhat random where she invited.
1: Right. The, the, assignment, the assignment was to call a random person and analyze their voice.
0: Wow. Wow. And that, and that random phone conversation had such a profound effect on
1: your life. A complete, complete effect. I mean, I just loved it. I went into, um, first I started with a TV production at ABC, and then I had my own television show from there. I had, you know, it was just a different career, and it, it was wonderful every moment I was in it. Wow. Um, so
0: as you got started there at the station and you were meeting people, was there, did they do training? Were there uh, classes to teach you how to be on the air or how to work the board?
1: <laughs> You're joking. No. We worked with nothing and made it into something. Uh, we The people down there worked so hard, but it wasn't working. But we learned to do things there just by learning from each other. No, no strict organization that said, you know, do this or do that. We just, I mean, I never did radio, and I was given a show. So uh, I learned on the air. And it, it was just a, a thing of just keep on learning and be open to it, and it's being done in a non-traditional way at that time and so none of us i don't think any of us maybe the engineers but none of the rest of us ever got any training
0: so at that point i if i if memory serves i think the station signed on at about two in the afternoon and went to about 2am does that sound yeah. right yeah it sounds right so so before the station signed on perhaps there was the planning of shows or you were doing production practice. Can you can you tell me a little bit about the difference between the station during the day before it signed on and then once the station was on, was, was there a different energy? Were there different people around?
1: The energy was always there, except when we were about to lose mm-hmm. funding and that energy turned into something else. But the energy was always there. People just enjoyed it or they made fun of you and you knew that they didn't really mean it. Um, the the energy came from within each one of us as opposed to coming where we walked into a great studio and we had to learn how to use the equipment and it it was a tiny little place that you had no idea what you were getting into when you walked in the door but you just worked it out i mean whatever it was you worked it out
0: wow that's very cool that's very impressive um at some point along this early part of your journey there you must have met jeff Krauss. Do you remember your initial...
1: Of course, Jeff was my, my, what's the word of the post-mentor? Yeah. Uh, he was the one who brought the, the, the tough stuff into us.
0: Right. So so he was sort of the uh, the, the discipline or the sense of order uh, with all that energy going on.
1: Right. And it's interesting. A quick story. Um, we had a snowstorm. And we were always able to get to the station because the, the public safety officers would pick us up and take us to the station. There was no thing across the uh oh, Hempstead term. UNSPEC.
0: Right, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so he one night for the snowstorm, I missed my show. And one of the guys who knew me, nobody knew me. That was the good part of it. Nobody knew who I was. And it was a very sultry, sexy kind of show. I think it was 10 to midnight or whatever. And he and I was not able to get in to see to the show. Jeff didn't want me to get in. So the guys in the male dorms, at that time they were female and male dorms, started calling the station and overcoming the system. And Jeff called me up and said, if I get one more fucking phone call, you didn't use the word frickin'. he said, then I'm going to cancel you and you won't be able to come down to the station anymore. I said, okay, Jeff, I'll, but I'm not doing this, Jeff. I have no idea who's calling you. And he says it's obviously the men's. Then stores And I said, okay. But it was, it was so funny, you know, and that he just was so angry. When he should have been thrilled, but he was angry. And he sure as hell scared me. So I did what I could to stop it.
0: Wow. That's, um, so, so you had people calling the station. And I guess, was Jeff yeah. at the station or were people calling him at home?
1: He would, must have been at the station. I don't know where he was at the yeah. time. His threat was very real, though. And I'm sure he probably would have carried it out. So, but that's why I'd say most of my audience at night was men, (laughs) but, um, I enjoyed it. It was new for me. It was different and I enjoyed it. Um,
0: do you remember getting on the air the first time, or if not the exact first time, do you remember the feeling the energy, uh, when you were getting used to being on the air? I was
1: scared, (laughs) really scared. I didn't want to, you know, there were too many people that, that I liked that I didn't want to have them look at me and say, oh, she's not good enough for that. So I was scared. But when I'm scared, my adrenaline goes up. And I would say I was probably better because I was scared. And and I, I remember when I had been at the station for a good couple of months before Gary turned the show over to me. And I went, I don't want to disappoint him of all people who was willing to do that. And I, I, was, I remember the feelings were just like total sheer panic. I'm not going to be able to do this. I can't do it. But once i got started it was like I was natural it's like i was born to do it
0: wow so were you uh working with gary on that night song program were you sort of shadowing him or or how did that work before you took it over
1: we took talk, we talked about programming before i started and that was the big thing i didn't really know about and how to program songs into segs, which is segments where I'd have one segment that would go, you know, the guy would say, let's make love. And then Marilyn Monroe would do, you know, some song of hers. And then there'd be another male. And it would just kind of a mood that would last for 15 minutes or so. Uh, And that was what we carried through except for one night. One night, my engineer, and I will not name this person, he moved into the center of a U and his microphone was at the center of it. And the rest of the equipment was on either side, the the records. And in the middle of the show, he goes to come in, and he falls backwards, and all I see are his feet. And I could not stop laughing. I mean, I I didn't even know if he was hurt or what, but I could not stop laughing. And every time he gave me the mic, all you hear was laughter. And I I was almost killed for that, but it was like the, the most unusual thing I ever dealt with. And he was laughing. So we left our ways through the list. I think it was another forty-five minutes of the show, and it was really, really funny. Oh my god! I wish I had a tape of that.
0: Yeah, I can, I can have a, a mental picture, and it's and it's pretty good. But <laughs> I, I imagine seeing that across the glass and uh, the, the the feet in the air must have been must have been quite shocking and obviously hilarious if it if it stuck with you all yeah. this time. Um,
1: it- Try to explain it to your audience when you're doing the sultry show that while you're hysterical laughing, but I was.
0: So I, I I can't remember quite who it was. Maybe it was Ross Mitchell. I was I was in conversation with recently, oh, and he was yeah. saying that that Jeff uh, Krauss had sort of a I don't know if conservative is the right way to put it, but sort of a button down philosophy about the things that should be going out on the air on wvhc and it sounds like you were sort of pushing the envelope of of what uh that philosophy might have been was your show very different from other things going on
1: yes it was extremely different in fact now that i think of it i did do another show but the other shows were formatted and didn't give a lot of chance although the people down there tried their best to give a uh, personality so and that's why i didn't want my name known with the night song show because it kind of really pushed the limits, I would say. I was never one of Jeff's favorites, I have to say. He was not thrilled with me coming down there, but that's my personality. I usually push
0: the limits. So uh, were there any incidents with Jeff where, I mean, obviously he told you with a, with this one snowstorm story that, that he was he was upset, but were there any other instances <laughs> where uh, the two of you clashed, or was there, on the other side, was there any time where he gave you good advice or was very encouraging?
1: No, I'd say he was mostly angry at me. <laughs> I would really say I didn't fit into his... his. You know, he was, he's the kind of guy you always picture sitting in a, a chair with their cigar... Not their cigar, their pipe, smoking away and saying, okay, fellow people, this is what you're going to do. So um, we never had a very good relationship. I hate to admit, but we didn't.
0: But I get the sense that there was um, that sort of order or that 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 sense of this is how to do things because Jeff perhaps had in mind that people were going to go into radio and and do it as a career and that was what was required um as as you were getting so involved at the station and enjoying it so much were you thinking about radio as a career had you changed your major
1: at that time, um, I didn't change my major, but I took the courses I wanted because a degree in communications doesn't really get you very far then or today. But um, I figured I'd keep the major for a while and then see what goes on with it. But um, I I felt i am it's my personality. If I feel strongly about something, then I will fight to the end for it. And I just felt that his conservative ways were you know, kind of getting outdated. I mean, one time he was not thrilled, but I (laughs) was talking to somebody on the air who was in Country Music Station. And we kind of got into this thing where who can go faster or whatever, and we had a contest of uh, peanut pushing and who could push it further along Mm. on the campus. And so, of course, I wouldn't back down from that, and we made the state for a peanut pushing contest. And I had just had some surgery on my wrist, and, you know, my parents heard something about it and said, you're not going to do that? No, of course not. You know, you're a college. You don't have to listen to anybody. Um, so the day came and we both pushed our peanuts across the, uh, the campus, not quite the whole way. And we took the out of putting a tongue depressor on our nose. And um, it was it somehow it must have been a slow news day. It was a Sunday, I think. And so Newsday put it on the, the uh, second page of their uh life section or whatever it was called at the time. The Westboro Times put it on their front page in this big long thing. And a couple of other places picked it up. And, and I went to see my parents on Monday the next day. And my father goes, what were you doing yesterday? And I said, I was at the beach. And he goes, you were not at the beach. And he throws these papers at me. And I'm going, oh, God, I've been caught. So they were not. Nice. Whatever I did, somebody was never happy. But my parents are really pissed at the time.
0: But it sounds like you were having an awfully good time.
1: I was having a ball. It was like, you know, it, and I'll tell you, I got an award to be put into the Hall of Fame of the Long Island Press Club, but I got one from the station mm-hmm. as well. And the station one meant more to me than the one that I got from the press club. I mean, I hate to admit that in public, but it did, because it was so much a part of my life.
0: And it was so life-changing. I mean, like, as you said earlier, it really changed the direction of your life. Those other things wouldn't have happened if you hadn't join the radio station at that time
1: right and it gave me it was almost okay to be a a, somebody who stood up for their own things because maybe in some way jeff respected that but i've always been an advocate a person who's not afraid to take chances Um, and i learned that it was okay at that station because i never really got disciplined and everybody there would support me uh whether they think whether they believed in it or not and Sue and I have a lifetime time friendship, which is something you don't usually have, and uh, and Les Bear. I mean, I have to remember him. He's sweetheart, um, and he's been my uh, in, a friend for all that time. It's, I think it's over fifty years, but I don't want to say that. Is it, it that is. much? Oh God! Oh, now I feel old. I don't like this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know,
0: if if you're not aware of it, then then it's not a problem. So I wouldn't worry about it. I'll never
1: be. I'll never be aware of it. I, I, you know, wherever I go, if I see something wrong, I'll say something. And most people are afraid to to do that because they're afraid whether the care won't be as good because the people who are doing things don't, you know, uh, will, will be annoyed if you say suggest other things or whatever. But most of the time, I'd say 95% of the time, it brings me some kind of self-respect. In, in, uh, and I can look in the mirror and say, okay, you did what you had to do. You did what you needed to do. I mean, I wanted my own TV show. And, and I had the guts to walk into Lilco and one of their vice presidents. And he asked me, do you have experience? I said, of course I have experience. I had no experience. So I got the show, and the first day I walked in there, I thought, oh, my God, this is like being down at, at Hofstra. I said, I don't know anybody, and I, and, and I don't know anything about TV. But I couldn't tell them that I didn't, and I learned to delegate very well. But it, it was the basis. It's, I, I really wish I could get this across. It was the foundation for me that was gotten at, at the station, that you know the ability to, to really think I could do things that I didn't think about it before because the people were there were, were real they if they were upset with something they'd tell you there was no games to play or anything like that for me it was like a, a little girl going into a big flight show and sit, sitting there in awe and going oh my god um it, it was just a wonderful experience
0: it sounds like from your personality that you were pretty comfortable at the station right away is that right
1: exactly I found the right place to be I was in in high school I while I was friendly with a lot of people there was no real friendship or throughout the other years there I, I surmised that we would be friends forever the way we reacted with each other and most of us are we keep in touch Charlie Kay wasn't from the station but he was part of our crew and you know we all keep Steve Rosenberg see now the names are coming back to me um, they're people we still keep in touch with. And it's, it's a wonderful feeling. It was the start of my real career. And it was the start of finding a new way of life. And it was just wonderful. I mean, it was just the best.
0: I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but my, my next question is, uh, when did you feel comfortable being on the air, or being on the microphone? You, you said you sort of worked with Gary for a little while to prepare for this night song program. Did you feel comfortable right away speaking on the mic or did it take some time to, to feel like this was your thing? You
1: no, know, it was like I was, it's, I hate to use the cliche, but it was like I was born to do it. I was doing, see, now all this is coming back to me. I was doing, a show with Chris Zuboff and somebody else, which was a daytime show, which was mostly interviews and things like that. And what that taught me, those interviews that we had to go out for, taught me that people, no matter how important they are, or know what they are in their career, or how, you know, big movie star, they're all people. And Gary taught me the art of interviewing, which he taught me one thing that stayed with me throughout my career, that... If you listen, you'll learn a lot more than if you don't. And from then on, every interview I did, I never had prepared questions. And this was going into even when I was working for the New York Times. When I would do an interview, no matter who it was with, I knew where I wanted to start and where I wanted to end. But if I listened to what people were saying, very often I'd end up in a different place. So when I was sent out on a, on a scene like the... A demonstration against the war. I thought I was going to go somewhere. I didn't based on what happened. And the next morning, my news director at, at the station said to me, you, where were you yesterday? And so there was, you know, at the, the, uh, at the rally. He said, well, you obviously weren't because Newsday has this headline that protesters were kicked out. I said, wait a minute. I don't know where Newsday was, but as far as I saw, and I was right there, there were some protesters, maybe four young girls, who, when they wouldn't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, were asked to leave. They did, and that was it. No shouting, no yelling, nothing. They just left. And I said, I was there. I can tell you what happened. And he kind of like said, Yeah, sure. You know, you probably slept through it. But I didn't. And I wasn't afraid to take him on and say, If you have a problem with it, let me know. And we can talk to the news they've got. So I wasn't about to back down with the strength I got from my foundation, and that was the thing that kept me going because it was really a men's world mm-hmm. at that time. Um, it, it was I was the first woman to do newscasts on Long Island, and it was only because I fought, really fought for it. And that's what I did. What I thought I and That's what I did uh, for the rest of my career. I mean, when I went in to get the money for a show, I didn't know anything about TV, but I was able to convince him that I could do anything he wanted to do because of that confidence. I did not have it before I went down to that, that staircase into the little room.
0: So were you doing news at WVHC, that story about the, the, the protest?
1: No, that was actually right after I left.
0: Okay, so you were doing that professionally.
1: Right. Now, that was the other thing. I have to tell you that the one probably negative kind of thing that happened is that being the typical, eager, young college student, I was always at my classes. I always did what I had to do. But once I got down there, they were amazed that I could pass classes that I never even Mm -hmm. went to. But I was able to have the confidence to convince teachers that something was going on. And I got through a lot of the years just by talking as opposed to attending uh, classes, which was probably a little negative, but it was okay. I learned a lot more down there than I can ever from above. I,
0: I think a lot of us skipped uh, any number of classes in favor of being at the radio station, whatever decade, whatever time it was. I think that just became our home away <laughs> from home. But you alluded to something before about being a woman in broadcasting. Uh, were there many other women working at WVHC at the time or was it just you and Sue?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, not on the air. There were a lot of women that were like Sue, who was a terrific uh, uh, asset to the station. She she did gen- generally did uh, you know the engineering part of it. So the only real woman that had any kind of anything to do with it was Jeff's wife, Marilyn. Marilyn. Ooh, you really know your background, don't you? I, I,
0: I've, I've had a few conversations here. I'm, I'm doing my best to, to learn as much as I can uh, and to stay with it.
1: Well, if there's anything you can learn, I think, from all of us, is that the, the camaraderie, the feeling of supporting you, the feeling of being a real friend um, was more important than anything college mm. could offer.
0: The the question I usually wrap up on, and I think you've already answered this, but I'm going to ask it again anyway, is uh, when you first got to the station, what did you think it would mean for you in those days? And then what did it become?
1: When I first got there, Sue had said, come on down. And I said, oh, I'm not, I felt like a fish out of water sometimes in the college environment. I mean, I had great grades from high school and I had no reason to feel that way. But I've always, at that point, because of stuff going on in my private life, I was just insecure. I, I didn't know where I belonged, as I said, and I needed a place, and I didn't realize that I needed a place that I could call home, aside from my home. And I was, as I said, I was living in the dorms, which brought more isolation. I had my own room. And when I walked down there, it was just out of curiosity, you know, what was this place like? And that literally changed my life it changed it in so many ways you know i felt the support i mean even with sue i had been sick a while ago and she she appeared out of nowhere i hadn't spoken to her in about a year and just came over every week to you know get me out and to do things and whatever so you know that's somebody i haven't seen in forever steve rosenberg he came out we had lunch one day we i you're able to talk to them about anything There's no boundaries because of the background. And the the station changed my life into giving me that security. And from then I was willing to become an advocate for things or turn away from things and it defined my life forever.
0: Shelley, I have to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. These stories are fantastic. They are so great. And I'm good. so pleased that, that you were willing to share your time and your stories. And um, I, I'm going to guess you've got more stories. I, I, I hope we can have another conversation sometime.
1: I might be attacked if I tell them all. <laughs> well,
0: that, that, that's, that's a good way to, to drive up the ratings. We'll, we'll, we'll tease out that there's more salacious stories on the way. And uh, you'll have to tune in to find out. Thank you so much for doing this. This was so okay. much fun.